welcome to another episode of the Scrumcast. I'm Derek Neighbors. I'm Clayton Langelzigich. I'm Mark Graven. And so uh, recently, uh, Jim Highsmith, um, a kind of a prominent thought leader in the Agile community, has been talking quite a bit about um, what leaders in the business world are talking about in relationship to Agile. And one of the things that he's brought back that a number of leaders have asked for is how do you do Agile outside of IT or outside of software, outside of building a product? And, um, you know, since Lean is a very similar um, set of principles to Agile, um, we're lucky enough to to have Mark on today, who's been kind of a a pioneer and cutting edge uh, thought leader in bringing Lean into the healthcare space. So I want to ask you, Mark, how on earth did it come to fruition that you would take manufacturing principles for cars and apply those to um, something as service-oriented as healthcare. Right. Well, it's, you know, it's a great question, and it's you know it's a natural question. People in hospitals ask this all the time. You know, um, it's a well-intended question on their part. They're protective of their patients and and their organizations. So, well, how do these ideas come from manufacturing? You know, I think it's helpful to think of lean as really more of a set of management principles than to think of it as a way of building stuff. But, you know, people associate lean with building cars. Um, yeah, how did it get into healthcare? I, I'd be the first to admit that uh, I wasn't the first um, to do this. I, you know, I got involved with lean in healthcare back in 2005. And, you know, I, I know of cases where people were at least dabbling with this in the late 90s. I think a lot of the early applications of lean management in the healthcare um, came you know, in cities where you had manufacturing companies. So Seattle had people from Boeing um, that said, well, I, I think you know, some of these ideas would help at places like Seattle Children's Hospital. And in Michigan, where actually where I was born, where I was raised, you had people from General Motors and Ford and you know, companies where you had individuals who knew an awful lot about lean methods, um, going and working at places like University of Michigan as um, you know, and volunteer coaches and mentors. Um, so I think it was just you know when early on when people realized that you know lean is a pretty powerful management system. You know they went into the hospitals. I think with a you know it's just an idea that maybe this could help. And you know I, I can share examples of this, but you know, I think once you get inside a hospital and see the processes and work with staff, you very quickly realize. Um, how much opportunity there is for process improvement. So what, what kind of objections do you see when you come into a, a new hospital or healthcare system um, and people kind of see, you know, maybe I'm not drawing the line quite between, you know, how management um, from a manufacturing plant jumps into, uh, you know, managing a hospital or doctors, um, you know, what, what kind of objections do people tend to throw up? Well, you know, I think, First off, people have this fear that, you know, when they hear the word lean, um, the word lean, you know, it just itself gets in the way sometimes because you kind of colloquial everyday usage. I mean, if you see a newspaper headline that says something about living in lean times, it doesn't mean that everybody's been adopting lean management. You know, that expression lean times means, you know, we don't have enough money. We don't have enough people to get our work done. And so there's you know an education that's required just to let people understand that lean 
is not about slash and burn. I mean, hospital management, as much as any industry, has just always faced cost pressure by um, you know laying off staff, and it's it's those people in healthcare that are doing the value added work. And so you know, cost cutting, traditional cost cutting, leads to an awful cycle. And you know, we have to help highlight how lean um, you know is a very different approach. In fact, a lot of the leading lean hospitals you know have very explicit policies that say. Nobody is going to lose their job because of improvements that are driven from lean. So that's you know one thing that kind of quickly comes up. It says, well, you're just looking to get rid of people. And then you know I think the second thing is this idea of you know people talk about um, you know we can't have quote unquote assembly line medicine. And you know I think their impression that they have that they're afraid of is that you know quote unquote assembly line medicine would be you know just really you know inflexible um, just focus on, you know, rushing patients through the process when, you know, lean healthcare is focused, um, like lean in general on eliminating all the wasted time out of the process, out of the patient's emergency room visit, out of a staff member's day. And you end up actually having more time to spend with the patients. And I, you know, I think once you help staff members see that, that lean is about their day being less frustrating and less irritating and causing less delay and fewer errors for patients, then then people start to get on board. You've taken you know that layoff fear off the table, and then you, you've helped people see how you know lean is uh, really of you know of benefit to everybody. Um, then you know I think you know people come around start to come around when when you're able to demonstrate that within their environment. Um, how do you deal with the I guess maybe the risk or the quality side of things? Mm-hmm. Um, when I think of you know if it's software, if we're going to try and do a new process or alter the process and things don't go quite right, you know, maybe it's not the end of the world. Uh, but then I could see someone in the hospital setting saying, you know, there's people's lives at stake. You know, we can't uh, just fiddle with the process. You know, how do you handle that side of it? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, there's, there's, you know, two thoughts that come to mind. I mean, there's a lot of process related change and then there are the changes that impact, you know, clinical care. Um, you know, nobody's coming in as an outsider and, uh, you know, trying to force, change on doctors or nurses because, well, you know, this is, this is clearly more efficient. You have to do it this way. You know, doctors especially um, have a lot of autonomy in how they do their work. And, um, you know, you're right for good reason. You, you wouldn't just go, you know, randomly, um, you know, fiddling around with the process without having, you know, a lot of um, good thought behind it. But, um, you know, I mean, you know, part of the starting point, I think, to keep in mind is that hospitals are, are really dangerous places. As they are today, you know, if somebody was not practicing lean, um, you know, there's different studies going around uh, Medicare and Medicaid patients. You know, the numbers are something like one in three are harmed during a hospital stay. You know, due to preventable mistakes. You know, wrong medication, wrong dose, um, other you know, you know, uh, infections, bed sores, um, pneumonia when they're on a ventilator. These things are. are considered preventable when there's good processes in place and when staff members aren't running around frantic because there's too much waste. Um, so the starting point is, you know, a huge gap between, you know, the, 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 the current quality and patient safety levels and, and what can be achieved with lean. So there's a lot of great examples um, of, of, of how lean process improvements are um, you know, leading to big improvements in quality and safety. And, and part of how this comes about is that um, you know, we're, we're using the scientific method. And I think this is a parallel. This is one thing that excites me about the lean startup movement. We're applying 
you know, the, the, whether you call it PDCA or PDSA cycle where you, you know, you understand your problem, you identify a root cause, you have a, a hypothesis about a, a countermeasure that's going to lead to improvement, and then you measure or you observe, you know, and see if you're getting the results that you expect, and then you, you know, adjust accordingly. So whether it's, you know, practices in a nursing unit that are um, going to reduce patient falls or, you know, experimenting, you know, I'm working with a, a little bit uh, with the startup software company, you know, we, we try to use the scientific method in looking at adjustments to our product or um, to our core business model. So I think, you know, that's maybe just one other example where some of that core thinking comes uh, into mind. It's, it's, a, uh, it's a structured, scientific, but not bureaucratic process for improvement as opposed to just randomly throwing stuff against the wall. So certainly talked a lot about um, improvement of quality. And certainly, um, as we all know, we've heard uh, horror stories within healthcare systems where somebody's, you know, gotten something removed that shouldn't have been removed or, you know, gotten the wrong medication or, 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 or different right. different uh, um, process failures um, or procedure failures that have led right. to, you know, obviously um, morbid uh, ends. So, so why do you think it is that... Um, lean principles or lean process or lean methodology um, works well in hospital where in hospitals or healthcare settings where maybe um, traditional management practices um, tend to fail. And can you maybe give an example of, you know, maybe a bad process that's been improved and why lean um, was, you know, the lean principle behind the change and why it worked or why it was adopted or why it was received well? Sure. Um, so I mean, so one example. Let me, let me tell you about one example that comes to mind. Um, it kind of also ties back to the topic of you know how did lean get into hospitals? Uh, you know, I think in the early 2000s, 2004, 2005, uh, kind of the entry for lean in the hospitals was often through the hospital laboratories. And I think one one reason for that is that a hospital lab is probably uh, most like a factory in a lot of ways. You know, you, you generally you don't have direct patient care. You have uh, tubes of blood or other specimens that arrive. Um, you know, they're labeled, they're barcode scanned, barcode scanned. Um, they're loaded into machines and you know sometimes conveyor belts and you have lots of automated equipment and you know highly technical staff. I mean, so it's kind of like a it's not I mean it's not a clean room, but it's kind of like a semiconductor fab. You've got well-educated people using. Uh, lots of uh, you know advanced technology, trying to deliver test results to patients instead of producing uh, chips. And if you look at let's say you know the baseline from the time a patient's specimen is collected to when that test result gets back to the doctor, you know it might take two or three hours to get that test result back. And so here's an example where. Um, if you look at flow or the time through the process, you know, even if the test result is perfectly accurate, that form of quality is there. Um, that might not be serving the greater quality of the hospital visit where, you know, a three-hour test result uh, maybe delays um, the medical decision-making that takes place for a patient. So it delays ruling out a condition or delays... Um, getting the proper medication to the patient, or it just keeps them in the emergency room longer um, where they're more likely to get sick. And so if you look and say, well, you know, gosh, why does it take three hours to get a test result? It's not because the equipment is slow, and it's not because the people aren't working hard. It's just kind of a classic case of having a bad process that we would say, you know, is very batchy. So instead of having 
good flow through the process. You know, it starts where um, a, what we call a phlebotomist goes out and collects blood. And you think, you know, in a perfectly lean, one-piece flow, uh, turnaround time minimizing kind of process, uh, that phlebotomist would draw a patient specimen and immediately send it down to the lab. But what you see happens is, as normal process is that that phlebotomist puts their tubes in a cart and they go and they draw blood from another patient. And then they go to another and they go to another. And maybe like, you know, an hour later, they've collected 10 specimens and they bring them all down to the lab in a batch. And you think, well, you know, why is that? And, you know, especially when they have, you know, often have tube systems, air pneumatic tube systems that could, you know, pretty easily send them down to the lab one at a time. And if you ask the phlebotomist, a lot of times what comes up is they say, well, you know, I get measured and rewarded based on how many specimens I collect per hour. So you're like, ah, that, you know, that's more of like a management root cause. It says, well, you know, the measure is driving a behavior that the hospital really doesn't want. You know, we need to get away from individual productivity and look at the overall effectiveness of the system. And there's times where you can actually you know, add a, a phlebotomist or two because, you know, there's extra walking to the tube system. But, you know, th that labor cost is so low compared to all of the savings that you get from, you know, shorter length of stay in the hospital. Um, and, you know, there's all sorts of other opportunities to improve flow within the laboratory, um, moving the equipment around. If you look and say, well, you know, why are certain analyzers located where they are in the laboratory? Um, you know, you've got scientists that haven't really been taught um, basic industrial engineering, and that's my background as an industrial engineer. So looking at process flow and physical flow and layout and say, well, why is that new piece of equipment that you have over there? And they say, well, that's where we had space. You know, so the, the layout's just evolved. You can come back in and teach them lean and uh, industrial engineering principles, and they can turn around the lab. And that three-hour baseline often gets down as low as, say, about 40 minutes. So it's just you know, a dramatic reduction in turnaround time not from buying more equipment and not from having everyone, you know, running around frantically, but just from um, teaching some simple principles that help the team design a better process. So that, that's, you know, I think one example uh, in, you know, in terms of flow and different mindsets. And then, you know, if you want, I can give some other examples maybe of these mindsets that would impact quality. No, I mean, I think that's a great example. Um, I think we're about out of time. I know that you've published a couple of books and... Uh, you're certainly out there helping uh, healthcare providers. Um, can you go ahead and give us a, a list of uh, resources that you've got that people should be checking out? Yeah, sure. So uh, my main blog is leanblog.org, and there's um, you know, blog posts and podcasts, and you know, it's um, not all about healthcare, so hopefully it's of, of interest to people. Um, they can find links there to uh, my books. One is um, just simply called Lean Hospitals. Um, it's available on Amazon. Um, and then I've got a new book coming out late, you know, uh, middle of this year um, called Healthcare Kaizen, which is uh, a deeper look at continuous improvement practices for um, hospitals and healthcare. Thank you for joining us and give us an insight into uh, lean and agile thinking outside of uh, IT industry. Oh, my pleasure. Looking for an easy way to stay up to date with the latest news, techniques, and events in the Agile community? Sign up today at agileweekly.com. It's the best Agile content delivered weekly for free. The Scrumcast is brought to you by Integram Technologies and recorded at Gangplank Studios in Chandler, Arizona.
For old episodes, check out integrumtech.com or subscribe on iTunes.